Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Disney Parks take the top three spots in theme park attendance for 2017. Disney is considering letting John Lasseter return to Pixar after a six-month sabbatical. And Disney Cruise Line releases the remainder of their 2019 itineraries. And we're also going to talk about what we are excited about and not excited about, about the upcoming opening of Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 992 for the week of May 22nd, 2018. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friend, Sean Falk. Hi. Rhino Clavin. Hello. Charles Boda. Hey. Steve Porter. Hello. And back in the production nook, our producer, Mr. Craig Williams. Hello. And uh, just want to ask everybody to send good thoughts uh, and prayers out to Kevin. Um, they were uh, He and John were supposed to be in Hawaii, but while he was out shopping uh, sat, uh, Sunday uh, afternoon, he fell, uh, broke his arm, and the break was bad enough that it required surgery. So he is in the hospital right now. Uh, he had surgery yesterday. Everything went fine. Uh, they'll be releasing him either today or tomorrow. So we just ask everybody to please send good thoughts and prayers out to Kevin. And I feel really bad for them because they were really looking forward to that trip. This is like May is their yearly trip to yeah, uh, to they, Hawaii. Mm-hmm, they love it. And uh, so I feel bad that that happened. But um, just, you know, Kevin's okay. Just thoughts and prayers. Um, all right. couple things that I need to uh, I need to announce this week that we've been working on. Um, but before I get to those announcements, I do want to mention that uh, we have uh, started, uh, this was Charles's idea, um, launching uh, new columns every week from our staff writers on the Diz. Mm-hmm. So every Wednesday, correct? Every Wednesday? Yeah. We're- uh, I'll let you do it. Okay. So each Wednesday at noon, um, we're going to be publishing staff writing columns. So generally, they're, they're going to be um, highlighting the, the things that you come to expect us to cover and some things that you wouldn't expect us to cover, maybe, from different points of views of the staff writers of the Diz. Op-ed pieces. Yeah, op-ed pieces. Um, so we're going to start out, we're launching at this month, one each week. So far, Jackie Gailey's Spoonful of Pixie Dust has already come out. Uh, Never a more perfect name for a column. Say. Um, uh, tomorrow, Tom like Bell's... a bucket full of Pixie uh, Dust. Uh, Tom Bell's name is actually, I think, my favorite out of all of them. Um, his article tomorrow is It's Not the Size of the Castle, where he covers all <laughs> things Disneyland. Um, the week after that, it will be followed with Stephen Porter's article. Um, if you want to just explain that real quick. Yeah, it's just a, a written version uh, that we dive deeper in some, into some of the best and worst topics. So, you know, if we did, if we covered the top five of something, I expand it to ten, or I see what I can add, and maybe if there's a best and worst that we did two years ago, I can kind of go back and say, you know, three of these five attractions don't even exist anymore, so I add some new ones and give life to kind of some of the older content that we covered, or just revisit those mm-hmm. topics. 
Yeah. And then the following week after that, uh, we'll be launching mine, um, Parks and Perspective, where generally I'm just going to be covering the different ways that we view the parks and different impacts that they can have on our lives. So all of those are coming out this month and with more to follow throughout the year as we launch new ones. And also Sean has added, uh, has a, a column going up every week. Um, the, the, those guys are rotating uh, between themselves every week. Mm-hmm. But Sean has one that he started a few weeks ago. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, um, every Thursday, um, <clears throat> mine goes up in the morning time. Um, it's called the Weekly World Forecast. So kind of like a weather forecast, but just helping you select last minute if you're between a couple of different parks that you're trying to decide, like, should we do, you know, Magic Kingdom a certain day? Um, Just kind of gives guidance on how to pick which park to do each day when you're there, because that's an important part of your trip. So... And as I've mentioned uh, before, Sean is the newest member of the Dreams Unlimited uh, travel team, uh, one of our new agents. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, okay, so I do want to make an announcement. Um, a lot of you have been asking for a while what's going on with the Disneyland show. And uh, I had decided back in January to put that show on hiatus for an extended period of time because I felt it was time for it to change and evolve. And we were looking at a number of uh, different ideas about ways to do that and um, ultimately settled on a new format for that show. Um, so uh, beginning June 11th, that's a Monday, uh, the new version of the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged will be returning. Um, it will be uh, on video. Uh, it will feature uh, Rhino and I hosting from here in Orlando, bringing in members uh, of our California team on a rotating basis uh, in via Skype and uh, just kind of doing a whole new format to the show and kind of taking a fresh look at how we were doing it. So that will happen on June 11th. Uh, Also at that time, we're going to be releasing um, our newest, I don't even know what to call it, uh, kind of special event video. Some of you may remember that a few years ago, we did What We Love About the Disney Resorts, uh, the deluxe edition uh, that people really seemed to like and really went over well. Well, we've decided to do a version of that on Disneyland. So we're calling it what we love about the Disneyland resort. And, uh, this time, uh, we've added some new faces into it. Some faces you've not seen before. Uh, some that you don't see a lot of some you see all the time, like the giant head of Rhino Clavin, which is in (laughs) fact, I have now on video proof that it is larger than the tower of terror. Um, the collector's fortress (laughs) collector's fortress whatever um it's your head is still bigger than it um so that is also going to be coming out on june 11th and at that time we're going to be uh unveiling a a new a new logo for the dis unplugged shows both this show and the disneyland show i've had will and Corey working on that Uh, we decided it was time to freshen things up there's going to be a new uh, some new intro music um, we're kind of just changing up the brand. And I love what Will and Corey have come out, come up with. Now, if you are a Patreon supporter, you're going to get a peek at this stuff before everyone else. Um, but uh, those, the rest of you, you'll have to wait till June 11th to see what all the new stuff looks like. But we've been working on this for a few months now and uh, finally felt the time was right to announce a firm start date uh, when we were going to relaunch the new show. 
Um, <clears throat> I will say that the uh, Facebook, uh, the Disneyland edition Facebook page is going to be going away. We're going to be doing all of that just on the Diz Unplugged Facebook page. Part of the rationale behind the changes that we're making is kind of rather than, you know, treating it like two separate teams on two separate coasts, we're one team covering Disney theme parks in the U.S., uh, so this show, of course, is going to remain focused on Disney World. That show remain focused on Disneyland. But we want it to be considered one big happy family. Um, so we're trying to blend both of those things together. And uh, so we're going to be taking uh, the uh, Unplug Facebook page. will be coming down uh, around that time, maybe a little bit before. Um, and all of that content, everything is just going to be on the, the regular Unplug Facebook page. It's a lot easier for us to manage one page than two. And right now we manage about seven. So that is what is happening with that. So finally, mm. I was going to announce it last week, but I wasn't here the week before. I was sick. Did you want to say something about the Best and Worst show, too? Well, I already did, didn't I? Like previously. Okay, I'm not hosting yeah, Best but and Worst. Sorry, you get a million comments on the first video that went up. So I didn't know if you wanted to say something again. Is okay. I should say sorry. All right. Um, yeah, because I am going to be hosting... The Disneyland show, uh, for the time being, um, I decided to stop hosting the best and worst. Rhino is now hosting that show. Um, so that's why Rhino is there and I'm not. I'm still doing the dining show. Um, but you know what? Three shows a week, three shows a week is good enough for me. Um, and even that I feel like is too much. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but four was out of the question. Um, so um, I hated giving it up, but... It's in good hands with... Uh, People the, make it seem like I ousted you or something like that. Like, no, uh, impossible. <laughs> impossible. Um, it's a coup. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'll, you know, and every so often, I'm, you know, if I'm in the mood, I'm only right down the hall. So if I feel like crashing the party, I will. But um, if I'm dumping, out of, dumping him out of his seat every once in a while, like, <laughs> you know. Those are the days I slipped the less oil into your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the what oil? It's a... <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> um, so, all right. Anything else in housekeeping? Anything else that needs to be mentioned? Craig, you're you're leaning in. Yeah. Um, just so everyone knows that last week's episode of Best and Worst actually was the first one posted with Rhino, but I forgot we had one more with you as the host. So, just if anyone's watching, you're probably going to be confused for half a second because it's going to be one more with Pete. And after that, it's all Rhino. Just so you understand, this is the only show we do live. All the rest of them are pre-recorded. So, um, obviously, there's one in the archives. Yeah, it, it happens from time to time. So, uh, that's happening. And then, also, uh, just wanted to give another uh, kind of heads-up thing. We are going to start looking for some of our, our best fan base to help us on connecting with Walt with our trivia challenges that we do on the show. So uh, we're going to have details going out soon on how you might have the chance to be featured on our show, kind of like uh, like you've heard some of our other team in the past and also our our board's moderator and contributor ryan teats has already been on once so uh you might you might see that in the future here and that so. boy knows his stuff he does his episodes are currently out i'm i'm up on trivia one week against him so i'm not gonna spoil it on who actually wins the ultimate but. oh so you're 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 battling people yeah they, yeah they take me on ryan i just want to tell you he plays dirty he plays dirty so um, but, you know, speaking of that, and I'm not going to uh, not giving anything away. Steve is working on 
a great concept for a new show. We're not sure when. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, other than that, I really loved his idea, and I'm really excited to to develop it. And things are in the works. Things are in the works. He's put a lot. He's put a lot of effort in. There's been a lot of thought going into it. So be looking forward. Hopefully, sometime over the summer, um, we'll uh, we'll release start uh, start recording them and release yeah. them. So yeah. So lots of stuff, lots of stuff happening. There's other stuff going on that I can't talk about yet, but um, you know, I will say that I'm, I'm going to get in so much trouble from John. All I'm going to say is we're working on some fun stuff for next year. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to give you plenty of notice, but the genius, the genius is that brain is working overtime. That brain is working overtime. He and I had a nice conversation last week. Um, so just keep that in mind. All right. Anything else? Anything else for housekeeping? Nothing? Nope. Nothing? No one? Okay. All right. Let's move on to the news. Our first news story, the themed entertainment association released its theme index, uh, the other day, which, uh, publishes the official attendance records for or numbers for Disney and universal theme parks. Now, Disney and universal themselves do not release these numbers. I'm not sure exactly how the TEA gets that information. Um, but it's pretty much taken as gospel in the industry that these are the numbers. Um, Walt Disney, the Walt Disney Company's global theme park saw an overall increase of 6.8% in attendance with a staggering 150 million visitors in 2017. Now, this is all their theme parks, the ones here in the U.S., uh, Disneyland Paris, and the three, uh, the three parks in Asia, but 150 million people going through Disney theme parks in 2017. Um, They held the highest three park attendances in 2017. The Magic Kingdom, the perennial leader, uh, 20.45 million visitors. Uh, Disneyland out in California, 18.3. And Tokyo Disneyland, 16.6. The Disney company occupied eight of the top nine spots for park attendance in 2017, with only Universal Studios Japan, with almost 15 million visitors coming in fourth. Uh, Animal Kingdom saw a huge 15.3% increase in their attendance over 2016. No surprise with the opening of Pandora. Um, They saw uh, Animal Kingdom at 12.5 million visitors. um, And that surpassed Epcot with its 12.2 million. Shanghai Disneyland increased park attendance by almost 100%. 94.6% to 11 million visitors after seeing only 5.6 million visitors in 2016. So... Very good news for the Disney parks. But uh, now I don't have it in front of me, but Craig, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Universal attendance was rather flat, wasn't it? I want to say it maybe went up like single digits, two or three. Yeah, it it was rather flat. I know there was, I think it was the Motley Fool uh, had an article out saying that um, it's bad news for Universal. I think that article is a little bit extreme i think that universal is taking a hand from disney not in the smart way and that when universal was going crazy with potter with diagon alley and that streak they went on disney was not doing anything really to do it they to retaliate they were just kind of sitting back watching it all happen i think i think universal smart enough to know Right now, if they try to open something on the exact same level as Star Wars related, it's just it's going to be 
pointless. Um, you know, so I think they're going to take a seat, let Star Wars Land open up, and then after a year or two, then they're going to swing back again. Do you agree with me that Universal needs to start doing more to innovate their rides? Um, it seems like every ride, new ride they release is variations on a theme. Uh, Transformers is, I, I love the ride, don't get me wrong, but Transformers is basically Spider-Man. And Fast and Furious is basically uh, Kong. Um, That's not really fair right now, considering like Pixar Pier is about to open up and it's literally just a reskin of... Right, but they're not it, attractions. It, it, it's both Disney and Universal. I I think personally, both of them are not doing any true innovating right now in terms of you don't think you don't systems. think Flights of Passage was not innovative. It's a simulator. It's I mean, it's the fact that like everything that happens with the ride seat has some innovation to it, but at the end of the day, it is just a simulator. It's a bunch of people sitting there looking at a movie screen and um when it comes to disney and universal as far as what we can expect in the future and attraction innovation just from just from the patents that are released by universal city development and disney um universals tend to be way more attraction based and i don't know about you know super nintendo stuff in the future or anything like that but we haven't seen the extent of a lot of ideas that they have that haven't been implemented yet. Um, looking looking through, Disney occasionally does a patent here or there that's attraction-based. Universal actually publishes them relatively regularly. So it seems that, you know, if if they haven't done innovation lately, they're definitely thinking about it and working on it. So I, I, uh, think, for, I think for Universal, their biggest issue, I know my issue with them is that they don't, pick things that I think are good themes to go with that would be enough of a draw besides Harry Potter to get people to physically go to that park. I'm not going to go out of my way to plan a vacation to Universal to ride a Jimmy Fallon <laughs> themed ride. Like, I just don't understand. They didn't need that branding. Most, most people won't plan an evening to watch them on television. Right. So, like, I don't get that. I don't see anyone going out of their way to plan a trip to ride the Fast and Furious ride or King Kong or any of these things. Like, they're not relevant things for a ride that are just that necessary. Well, that's incorrect with Fast and Furious. And see, I, I have to call someone out here in the chat who is saying I'm too biased in this case. I'm not biased. When Universal does something crappy like Jimmy Fallon, I put it out there that it was a piece of junk. I didn't. I said that the queue was great. Because yeah, honestly, no, nobody, great. nobody sitting at the table right now can be can be labeled fanboy um, with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I when Universal does something crappy like Jimmy Fallon, I agree it's crappy. Fast and Furious, I don't think it's it's a bad ride, but I love Fast and Furious movies. I think they are cheesy and awful. The ride didn't go full cheesy enough. But anyone who would say it's still not innovative, Universal is now moving into trackless ride technology, something that Disney has been good at for a while. Universal's now trying to pick up on it, too, and do it but in But that's not innovating. In a, copying, copying your competitor is not innovating. They're doing it in, in different ways. It's taking, I mean, if we're all going back to it, then, like, originally with a carousel, you know, from there you go to hub and spoke rides. From a dark ride, eventually you get bigger. It's all ideas can be boiled back into the thing. It's about right, but, but don't you remember when Spider-Man opened? That was innovative. Yes. That had not been done, 
And it was, I mean, that was groundbreaking, groundbreaking. But it just seems to me like they keep hitting the same notes on these attractions and slapping whatever IPs they can grab their hands on, as opposed to saying, okay, let's create something new. And I, again, I think Disney is in the same boat. We're about to see Toy Story Land open up that is a off-the-shelf roller coaster and an off-the-shelf other little mini attraction in there. So it's, it's a problem that's affecting both of them. But it's all going to change with Star Wars. I don't know. You know, they're they're getting ready to open up uh, next summer. They'll open up uh, the new uh, Mickey and Minnie cartoon thing where Great Movie Ride was. And it's going to be, you know, visual 3D without glasses. Uh, Not been done in any attraction here in Orlando, at least. Um, So, you know, I do see Disney putting that effort forward. Um, I just feel like Universal is just they basically have two or three tricks where attractions are concerned. And maybe if their IP, if they own their intellectual property, um, they could do more with it. Mm-hmm. But since they're having to, you know, now granted, you know, what they did with Wizarding World, both Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Islands of Adventure and Diagon Alley in Universal is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. It is some of the best, if not the best theming. I have ever seen created in a theme park. So they have the ability. They have the ability and they have the talent. I just don't see it. I don't see it really coming out in their in their attractions. And I think, you know, right now, right now, if you had told me that Universal would actually take a hit from the opening of Pandora, I never would have believed that. But it appears that, that is, that's what happened. Because this is the first year they've been flat in a long time. And it so happens to coincide with a 15% increase for, for Animal Kingdom. And let's remember, people have a finite number of days on vacation. So it is a zero-sum game. Um, and you know, Universal was doing a really good job of drawing them back. I think it's more incumbent on Universal than it is on Disney, who is the market share leader, it's more incumbent on, on Universal to be innovative and, and groundbreaking in what they're putting out, more so than Disney, because they're the ones that have to win that market back. It, that is true. I also, the one thing that I, I've preached about it on this show many times, and it's something we have to remember, not everything that can come out can be an e-ticket attraction. Some stuff has to be big people eaters that is high capacity and it might not be the most exciting thing but we still need that in theme parks otherwise every single line is going to be Mm -hmm. two hours long and and again i'm not uh, you know i'm just saying that you know the last four or five attractions that universal has has spent an awful lot of money on have all been variations on a theme have all been variations on a theme um there's not a whole lot of daylight anymore between Spider-Man and Transformers and Gringotts, to be honest. I, um, I mean, Gringotts did do some cool stuff in there. Um, but it's still that, you know, your that ride vehicle going through a track with the 3D screens and things happening and coming at you. Um, and that's great. And it's enjoyable. And I love them. But, okay, what else you got? I just think it's... Uh, I. Do you think you have a very good point with the, um, the 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 Mickey attraction that's coming to Hollywood Studios? But and up until that point, but but up until that point, I really was siding with Craig on this because 
of stuff like Pixar Pier is really just a paint job yeah, and a very lazy paint job, in my opinion. I think that some of the theming doesn't even really make sense with Pixar Pier. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of bash Universal when Disney is doing something like that. Well, we're talk- I'm talking about attractions. You're talking about theming. Um, I think they're two different things. And I, um, they're they're changing the theme of Pixar Pier. Do I agree with uh, 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 you know, but turning it into Pixar Pier? Do I think that's lazy? Absolutely. But th- you're comparing apples and oranges. I'm talking about the actual attractions that are being developed, um, added to theme parks, big press events. Uh, you know, Vin Diesel coming out for Fast and Furious with in a ride that, from all reports, is a terrible. And B, not much different than something they opened up a few years ago with Kong. Um, no, and I agree. It's not. And, so, but that's, so we're not that, talking about theming versus attraction. I'm talking about attractions here. But that still stands that Toy Story Land is about to open up in a month with a kiddie coaster and a rethemed version of Mater right, Junkyard Right, and we'll get Jamboree. to that. We can get – we can absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, not saying that. The point is you're getting defensive saying Disney needs to do it. I'm just saying that yeah. don't – I think it's more incumbent on Universal right now that Universal needs to be doing it. Disney has yeah. the market share. Universal has been spending an enormous amount of money trying to grab that market share. And for a few years, they have been doing it. But they're at risk of losing all those gains. They need to innovate well, more than Disney well, We don't does. know that they're not doing that right now either. I'm saying – I don't, I don't. I'm just saying okay. they haven't. Because they're building an attraction right now that they just don't talk about. Right. Yeah, I'm just not- saying that they haven't. I'm not saying they won't or they can't. I'm saying they haven't, and that's the point of my... And I was trying to say it more as a broad. I think this is going to come back and eventually bite both of them. And I mean, not in terms of market share, not the way you're going with it, but eventually this sloppiness could catch up with them, like Disney's sloppiness did before, with not really doing anything and letting Hollywood Studios turn into Mm -hmm. a vapid pit of despair. I do have an interest. So now they're saying that Comcast is trying to out is trying to buy out Fox. Out well, there's a blood feud Disney. between Comcast. Do you and think the two of them are trying to see what property they can get their hands on next to maybe take that next step and outdo each other? Look, Universal needs some IP of its own. Um, they don't own any of the intellectual property behind any of these attractions. They've had to. They they they've, they they have to license it. They had to license it with J.K. Rowling. They have to license it with the studios that own uh, some of this, some of this intellectual they, I mean, property. Own, where Disney they owns own some their stuff because they they own the the Illumination stuff now, so that's theirs. The, and, the, and the DreamWorks stuff. So I'm sure we'll see stuff from yeah. that in the they, future. Like it's starting to happen. Yeah, but that's I know what you're talking about. That. Sorry, go ahead, Charles. I was going to say, but that's how the Marvel debacle happened in in the beginning. Disney now owns Marvel, but um, Universal with the licensing and everything like that. So, like, that's a huge that's a huge cut to their version of superheroes based on Disney's current movie version of superheroes that everybody's familiar with. Just to answer a question that was asked three hours ago or so, um, this index actually comes from the theme parks reporting to uh, TEA. Oh, does it? Yes. So um, that's for smaller attractions. Why don't, the, why don't the companies just release it themselves? Um, because this is actually, with all of the indexes, like one index compiled, this actually helps them as much. It's not just a press release public thing. They give those numbers. They give earning income based on attendance uh, in their quarterly earnings reports every single time that comes out. So this is kind of just a, 
a compare and contrast, see okay. who's doing what, how it's working. So it actually benefits them just as much as right. we can talk about it. And this story went on a lot longer than I anticipated, so i got to move on to the next story. But good, good discussion, and we can come back to some of this when we talk about Toy Story in a little bit. Um, all right, next up, John Lasseter is the co-founder of Pixar Animation Studios. Uh, took a voluntary six-month leave of absence back in November after accusations were brought against him for unwanted workplace huggings and other missteps. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, executives of the Walt Disney Company have had a discussion about bringing Lasseter back to work in a capacity that reduces his supervisory ability but would still allow him to utilize his creative influences without the liability that could come from him turning into Uncle, T- Uncle Touchy. Um <clears throat> Now, let, correct me if I'm wrong. The woman at the center of this story came out and said, "No, he, you know, I, I wasn't really that uncomfortable with that. It was just his demeanor, his general way of treating me and talking to me is what I had a problem with." Well, he um, uh, he ended up getting it from from both fronts at the same time. So initially, it was reported that uh, Rashida Jones and her writing partner who were working on the newest Toy Story movie, I believe, at the time, ended up leaving that project because, as I think The Hollywood Reporter was the one to initially throw it out there, um, for these unwanted like advances and things like that, right? Well, Jones came back the next day and said, no, that's not what happened. I don't think that women and people of color are getting as much of a creative voice in Pixar and that that is the problem. So when Lasseter took his leave of absence... It was very, he. If you look at the wording, it was very vague. He said a lot of things about a lot of voices not being heard and him not doing a good leadership role. He didn't come out and say, "I've been hugging too much." Um, so Jones herself, where the story started, it was more about race and gender dynamics in Pixar. It being a white men's club, pretty much, and that not being able to get past that. Um, the but employees came out at the same time saying that there were a lot of unwanted hugs and just weird moments and that they... Um, he was touching people's they, knees under the yeah, table. Yeah, they, they had a, something they called, and this is from a lot, by the way, of anonymous sources who, who do work inside the company, um, or I should say unnamed sources who work inside the company, but that they had a move called the Lassiter so women would know how to sit when sitting next to him so that they would avoid certain physical displays and stuff. Um, but... Yeah, Rashida Jones never said anything about the physical part. That was assumed by the Hollywood Reporter along with these other... When these right, other and that's correct. Out. Yeah, now I remember. Now I remember the whole story. Um, now, Disney has not given any, any indication as to whether or not Lasseter is going to return. Uh, May 21st, which was uh, yesterday, marked the six months since he uh, took his leave of absence. Um, can Pixar... Can Pixar do what Pixar has done without John Lasseter? Yes, 100%. You don't think it needs Lasseter? I, I, I do not at I all. Don't, I think that it does. I mean, it doesn't necessarily in the fact that it couldn't make it at all kind of thing. I just think that they they do need that guidance and everything from someone who's been there from the beginning and done all of the things that got things going. For me, it sounds like they got this to a point and now they just want to box him out, like make him a brand ambassador because he's – just old and they want to put him out to pasture but he's not he's, old no i'm just saying it, he's been there too long kind of thing and they're like oh we just want fresh blood get him out of here and that's how i view I, it but i don't pick that up at I all don't, i don't think so either like if he's touching women and hugging women and pushing their bodies against him that's why he needs to get 
rid of because I don't care what you did. If you are now in a position of power that you can take advantage of people with less power and manipulate that, whether you're doing it unconsciously or consciously, you need to take a step back and no longer be in that uh, reign of power. But I do agree with Steve, too, that I, I – I don't, I'm trying to look up John Lasseter's um, run here as as like a specific writer and director, and I think that they like Cars and like Toy Story two and stuff. But like in Toy Story, but I they have some really amazing people there right now that could be moved into a better position. Like um, I forget his name, and you'll know it. The gentleman with Coco, the guy with the short black hair. He was one of the directors, I think. Yeah, one the, of the directors of that was Lee Unkrich. Yeah, Lee Unkrich and, is what um, I think I'm thinking of. I can't remember the other name. Uh, basically, the the issue with you, like you can talk about Pixar right away, but John Lasseter's hand was on way more than Pixar, right? And because basically, once he became over both studios and as well as Disney Toon Studios, uh, from my understanding, not a single movie made it past any point in stage without his approval on that's like we go back to frozen and let's take a look at let's take a look at the track record yeah um it's it's legendary and no other studio has been able to do it so that's why i asked the question you know can they still put out movies yeah are the movies going to be the cultural iconic films that have come out under his under his leadership i just sorry you want to go first? I, I would just say my answer on it is yes. He has. I, I think with Pixar, the support is already there between Andrew Stanton, Brad Bird, Lee Unkrich, Pete Doctor. I was thinking of. Uh, they have in like they've just been. They have that core team. Pixar wasn't John Lasseter by himself. They had that original core that all came together, came up with those first story ideas. They were all important. Uh, so who fills I, the vacuum? Wait, if, I, if Lasseter doesn't come back, who fills the vacuum? Well, I just want to say, I think I saw a tweet about this, and I forgot who it came from, so I'm sorry I'm not crediting you. But basically, uh, along this topic, when the question comes up of who fills the vacuum of John Lasseter, it's – I know this is maybe sounds a little strange or mm-hmm. a little um, – I don't know. I'll just, I'll just say it. Basically, the – the vacuum can be filled by the people that he's been suppressing their creative freedom with his creepy ways and touchy feely ways in that let them alleged alleged, but let them come and have more creative freedom to do what they can do because maybe without his presence there, they will feel the ability to do what they want to do. Well, you know, when Walt Disney passed away, we still have, many iconic movies now you know he wasn't alive when the little mermaid the lion king beauty and the beast right but this stuff came out take a look at that 20 year stretch between when he died and when eisner came in and those were the dark days okay those that that it was rudderless the company was rudderless it was the reason roy disney had to bring eisner in because they had driven the company so low that it was about it, to, it was a, it was about to be taken over in a hostile takeover and broken up and sold off. But it doesn't pieces. it doesn't work like that anymore. That's the thing too. Is like that was that time and that was then. But we don't. This company isn't run like that anymore to prevent such a thing from happening again. I think yeah. that's why. No, we, obviously, I don't think Pixar but, is going to be like 
swallowed up. It's a part of the Disney company. My thing is, it, sorry, it's just it it's it is very hard when people that we love who have become these icons who mean so much to us, who are creative geniuses, who are these artists, can have a dark side too. And I think there's a a, a line you have. I mean, I. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I mean, I'm sure Bill Cosby meant a lot to a lot of people and having to deal with who he was really was, is something that I'm sure people still struggle with today who grew up as that, as you know, a TV father, like an influence them. And like, so it's one of those hard, you know, it, it is alleged behavior, but it is also one of those things. Where well, not with Cosby's concern. It's not alleged. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, guilty, I'm, so. I switch him back to, John Lasseter, sorry, but it is one of those weird, like, maybe it was just a misunderstanding, a big misunderstanding, maybe it wasn't, but we have to be prepared for the fact that it's, it could not be. You I, know? I also, this is kind of my own thing, but this hat right here for a long time stood for Joe Paterno, which is, uh, was the football coach for Penn State, and he did some bad, very bad things, if you've seen the news, um, and then Penn State kind of had to reinvent itself and realize who they are without a leader like that. Well, you've taken, and I think that Pixar needs to realize what can we be without the leader that we thought we had for a long time. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm walking a fine line here. <laughs> um, first of all, the kind of accusations that have been made against John Lasseter are not. Penn State level things. <laughs> yeah, okay? I understand, but he's I not, think that there he's are... not screwing eleven year olds in a shower um, and then covering it up. Um, so it's not it's not that. Mm-hmm. I'm um, just not, saying, I'm, that... and I'm not. Let me finish my sentence, please. Um, I'm not saying that these accusations shouldn't be taken seriously, um, but to completely diminish a man and his accomplishments. Because of that, yes, that has to be looked at. And yeah, if if these things happened, if he's done inappropriate things, there has to be some kind of, of, of penalty and punishment for it. I believe that in all cases. But this Lord of the Flies mentality that seems to have taken hold, that complete and utter destruction, um, that everything good ever done by these people suddenly no longer matters. Yeah. And they are defined solely and clearly by this dark aspect of their personality. Does that not does that need to be addressed? Does that need to like I said, does there need to be consequences for it? Absolutely. And there haven't been for there hasn't been for a very, very long time. In that regard, I support this. But this this mob mentality of absolutely destroying anything and everything that any of these men have accomplished in their lives. What we're seeing is that these are not, these are human beings Mm -hmm. with flaws and faults. And in some cases, some really bad ones. And they've done some really bad things. And yes, they need to be held accountable. But you know what? Let's all take a breath and start looking at things a little bit more. You know, we don't know. I mean, nobody's saying that John Lasseter, like, you know, shoved his tongue down their throat or, you know, rape them in his office or the, none of those accusations are out there not that inappropriate touching is any is any worse or, or not as bad as that but you know I don't know I don't know I just feel like this was this this was a pylon and there's absolutely no there doesn't seem to be any uh any due process yeah now, where Bill Cosby was concerned, due process oh, was in order. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and they went they went to court, and they proved their case, 
and this man's going to go to jail for a very long time right, for yeah. what he did, and he should. Um, does that mean that he wasn't a creative and comic genius? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. Does it put a taint on his legacy? Of course it does. But it doesn't mean that those things he did are somehow not real. I mean, right. he did those right. things. Same with Lasseter. I think Lasseter yeah. brings something, brought something to this company. I still think he has a place in it. Now, you know, that's up to Disney to decide. And I know I'm going to get plenty of angry emails over this. I'm sorry. This is just how I feel. Um, but I, 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 feel like, I feel like the company in its creative direction, especially over Imagineering, the development of these attractions, the develop we're talking about innovating. John Lasseter has been amazing, has brought a breath of life into that process that was not there before uh, or hasn't been there in a while. And, I, and especially at Pixar, you look at the string of hits yeah. under his leadership, and d- d- does that mean somebody else can't step in? Of course somebody else can step in. But... The, the thing I understand from people who work at Pixar, they're not allowed to obviously talk a lot about it, but the rumblings that have been posted, Pixar was primarily upset that they felt like there were women and people of color and other like other people out there that had what it take, takes to step beyond and, and start making amazing things, but they felt like John Lasseter controlled the show and made it into a sort of boys club. And he held those people back. And so while I do agree that John Lasseter came up with a bunch of brilliant ideas and concepts, and he should be always remembered for what he created with that. But if this does open up and we get new fresh voices in that we didn't get before, I kind of want to give it the chance. I want to see what other people can do, too. And I don't think it's it's about erasing his legacy or anything like that either. I'm you know what I mean? I feel like he could potentially knowing what we supposedly know right now, you know, if this is it. And, you know, he grew up in a different time than like we grew up and the kids are growing up in a different time than what we grew up in. And, you know, it it can take. It can take just some seminars. It can take, you know, therapy. It can take. Uh, education, you know, and this is if this is a man that is is willing as a storyteller, as an artist, as a human being to go and go through all these things, then maybe it should be up to the people that he made uncomfortable being like, okay, I see a real change in this man, this this man, like let's bring him back into the fold, let's work with him again, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That that's that's how I see it as like more of a. I don't think he can't be redeemed. And I also agree with you about what you said, that it, that it doesn't mean what he did wasn't great either. You know, this, um, just, we got a a little bit more and then we got to move on. Okay. Um, just from a purely business standpoint, this could actually be very good for Pixar. Um, as kind of everybody has covered, uh, most of the gripes were not about the sexual misconduct allocations or anything like that. And law, like there hasn't been a slew of lawsuits that followed those things popping up like they're half with other people. This is generally a business decision on whether he can work as uh, a creative leader while also hearing many of the very valuable creative voices in the company that went unheard for a while. So um, I'll, I'll cut it short, but... Uh, it doesn't have to be as much of a personal thing. This is very much a Disney business decision. Okay. Boy, these discussions have gone on a lot longer than I thought they were going to. <laughs> um, all right. So, moving on, Disney Cruise Line re- released some new itineraries uh, last week uh, for the re- uh, fall of 2019. Uh, cruises through Bermuda, Canada, Mexico, the Bahamas, Caribbean, and more. 
Um, advanced booking started yesterday if you were a Platinum Castaway Club member. Today for uh, Platinum and Gold members. Uh, tomorrow, Platinum, Gold, and Silver members. And that just means that you have ever sailed on Disney before. Uh, I think it's automatically... You're, you're automatically silver. Automatically yeah. silver after your first sailing. Um, and uh, all guests will be able to book on May 24th. Um, and... Were there any? Did anybody else think there were any major surprises in this itinerary release? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything like, "Oh my God, wow!" No, but I mean, it, I mean, they have to go to existing places as well. It's somebody's mowing the lawn. Somebody's mowing the lawn. Yeah, uh, I mean, they have to go. There's not. There's only so many ports that currently exist for them to be putting things, and with them having so few ships, like once they launch these new ships then they're, they're open to more things I guess I'm sorry Rhino do me a favor go outside and make sure that's not my landscaper oh okay you worried it's not the neighbor that you hate well it's the neighbor if, I'm hoping it's the neighbor I can't control that but if it's my landscaper I can beat him until he's, he's dead right there well I can't tell from here okay <laughs> um. he's probably just trying to catch the 20 minutes that it's not raining this week <laughs> yeah yeah I understand that but you know he also knows you don't you don't come here between 12 and 3 on Tuesday um, for this very reason. But then again, it's probably my... Uh, although that sounds like the big one, the big mower, and my guy, that's what my guy uses. So. It's your lovely neighbor. Oh, it's the neighbor. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So yeah, really no surprises here. Uh, you know, uh, just the normal, the normal releases. But, of course, you know, these are very popular. These ships fill up. So just reminding everybody that this is a tier system with the pricing. So when they're released, as soon as they're released, it's tier zero pricing. It's the cheapest the cruise is going to get. As the ship fills, the tier increases. So uh, if you are not Castaway Club and you want to get the lowest possible price for your cruise, you really do need to book that tomorrow. And of course, I will put the, uh, uh, the plug-in for my travel agency, dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Give you great shipboard credit with every booking. Um, I am an owner in that, along with John, so just for full disclosure. So I'll just take the opportunity since we're talking about cruises. I would have talked more about that, but we have chewed up a lot of time. <laughs> and I really do want to get to uh, Toy Story um, because that is opening the 30th, June 30th, so next month. Um, and a lot of people are talking about it. I want to just. I'm going to start out with this question: Is anyone excited about this? No, no, no. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not. It, it, the, I I have come to the realization or the acceptance that this is not a land for me. This is going to be like a child's mm-hmm. area. I'm not not excited for it. Anytime that something new opens, and especially in Hollywood Studios, where it gives it a little bit of space, I'm not going to say I'm not excited for that. But like, you brought up something to me that I was not aware of yesterday. Oh, the boozy lunchbox? The boozy lunchbox. Yeah. So this is supposed to be Andy's backyard, right? That's the theme of this from Toy Story. Andy's backyard. Great. Um, one of the food loca- <laughs> counter service locations is supposed to be Andy's lunchbox that his mother packed for him. Yeah. One of the things being served in Andy's lunchbox is beer. Did your mother not? Do- <laughs> Am I the only just, one whose mom packed beer for like lunch? Just like the thermos my mom used to give me in second grade. <laughs> um so does this does this beg the question? The next land to open next to this will be the Division of Youth and Family Services land. <laughs> um, but you know, all kidding aside, you know we talk all the time about their 
absolute willingness now to throw legacy and theming out the window to serve the revenue gods. And that's exactly what this is. So this is a kid's area. This is themed as a kid's lunchbox, and you're putting beer in it? Well, and I want to bring something up real quick about this, too, because we, we mentioned Universal uh, earlier. So and so if anybody says, well, a theme park can't commit that thoroughly to something, at in Diagon Alley and in Hogsmeade, you cannot get soda. You can't buy any Coke or Pepsi products or anything in there um, because there is no soda in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Right, and it's because, and this is what cracks me up. First of all, it's because of the sugar content that it's bad. Yet, both of these areas feature massive candy stores, ice cream stores. Oh, well, yeah, that's a different um, story. <laughs> so the sugar apparently in ice cream is not as bad. It's the sugar and soda, or butter beer, which they will tell you, oh, butter beer has no more sugar than orange juice. Orange juice is the <laughs> single biggest sugary drink you can consume, shy of just drinking. Like straight liquid sugar. I think it was just because of the theming, because there's no soda in the books. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with sugar. I always, I didn't. Know I that. was told that it was because of uh, uh, it, it was it was a, a health a health conscious decision on J.K. Rowling's. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, that's what I was told when it first opened by somebody at Universal, uh, somebody in executive position at Universal. So, because I asked the same question. I mean, and she sells chocolate-covered frogs, yeah. so I don't really know. Seems like a weird place to put your foot down. <laughs> it was really odd. It was really, really odd. But, okay, so anyway, Toy Story Land, uh, as Craig was alluding to before, is basically, it's a, uh, how many acres is this? It's like 11 acres, I believe? 11, 14 acres? I think 11. Is. I think 11. Uh, so it's a right. small, this is a small land um, themed after, like I said, uh, Andy's Backyard, two new attractions being added to this land uh the slinky dog coaster which is a kitty coaster mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. um and uh what's the uh, the other alien swirling saucers alien swirling saucers um which as craig mentioned is kind of a ripoff of mater's junkyard jamboree which wasn't innovative in and of itself uh, it's not a ripoff it is the exact the ex- same ride okay <laughs> all right same ride i think I think my issue with, like, why I'm not excited about it is because <clears throat> when I was a kid and going to Disneyland, they had, you know, California Adventure launched um, the Bugs Life area, and it had a lot of rides in it. Even though it wasn't for me and I didn't like it, the theme was really good. They had giant, like, Chinese takeout boxes, and it was just really well-themed even back at that time, but it had probably five five kids rides and this is a whole area that's opening it only has two they didn't make the rocket pizza planet that i really felt they could have made and put there with the giant arcade and all that kind of stuff that would have really fit well so i just don't get why they did it but there is a slinky magic man that i like so well it's i would uh, like that it's technically gonna (laughs) technically gonna be three attractions there are two new ones but Toy Story Midway Mania mm-hmm. is part of this. They're actually closing uh, the current entrance. That's why this is going to be closed for an, a few days before mm-hmm. this opens. That uh, that entrance on Pixar Place is being closed, and the new entrance will be inside uh, Toy Story Land. I feel like that section of Pixar Place is going to be real like weird. It'll just be like a big long hallway with there's will be the meet and greet and yeah. like. They've got to put something on the other side of the building or something like that. Like, I see what you're saying. I thought the same thing when they were like, they're closing this. I'm like, okay. So 
Is that no. just well? I, I'm It'll wondering just be like an empty gap from there until Star Wars Land opens. It'll just be. Well, like, I was thinking they were going to bring the wall up further so that you where like you take the right to go into what would be the new entrance to Toy Story Land b- between One Man's Dream and Toy Story's current attraction. Like if you turn there, then they'll bring the construction wall forward up to there, maybe hmm. or something. I don't know because why else would you need to go down to the end of that hallway? It's a weird. It's like what you said. It's just this weird corridor. Yeah, it'll be it'll be like the hallway to nowhere. I don't know. Just kind of strange. I, so I know I've said a lot of not positive things about Toy Story Land, but at the end of the day, this every one of us in our room, in this room here, none of us have kids. Yeah. And we are not the primary demographic That's correct. that Disney is going for that. So that has to that has to be there. But like I know Rhino has younger nieces and nephews that I'm sure you are very excited to oh, yeah. one day show them. So I the ex- I don't we are in that minority of not being excited, but we're also in the, the complete wrong demographic for it. So I'm not saying it shouldn't be something that people shouldn't be excited about. That's why Jolie, every time she is in this conversation, loses her mind about Toy Story yeah. Land because she can't wait for Ferris and Finley to, to go and experience, in it, experience it. And I'm sure one day when I have kids, I'll be very happy to show it off to them, too. I'm not there at that point, so I I think there, it has potential. Still, there are but. some there are some interesting uh, some some interesting merchandise things we've gotten a peek at. Some of those headbands with the alien eyes. And, oh well, I'm, yeah. that's stuff the like thing that. I'm mo- well, well, I should say that I if really you're asking what I'm about, excited about merchandise um, <laughs> and uh, also some uh, some intriguing uh, food uh, food options mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I got a chance to see some of it. Last week, but I couldn't actually try any of it because I'm on I'm on a diet, oh, and that was definitely not on my diet. But they looked good. They had like the s'mores French toast oh, thing yeah. was really good looking, and I was very attracted well, to it. But I <laughs> I asked it out. <laughs> it was I um, it, you know, as far as one of the things Craig was saying, we're not the primary demographic. But to contrast that, um, in California Adventure, Cars Land. I abhor the car series. I really don't like it. They did a great job with it, but I've never wanted to immerse myself in the cars movies. I've never wanted to pretend that I was a car, but it's not meant for me. However, they have one really great attraction that totally justifies it. The theming is awesome with that canyon and Radiator Springs Racers is just incredibly fun. So it's a kid's land with an adult attraction or a family attraction with you know, a mass appeal attraction that excites me, is really fun, is really enjoyable. And so I enjoy going to Cars Land just for that and a couple of the food options and just they did a great job with the theming theme parks for me are generally about immersion even as a little kid i didn't want to pretend to be a car or a toy i wanted to be indiana jones and stuff you know um so this land isn't meant for me but if you're gonna bring me there and i'm gonna have kids with me as members of my family don't make me hate it throw me a bone give me one decent attraction that isn't just a kitty coaster you know no, when you say throw me a bone you've got to say it as dr evil i Herman don't Boone do that here i don't I, do that i think uh, even though we've all been kind of agreeing that this isn't for us, um, I the one thing I'm very excited about is the just the capacity of the park being able to spread the guests out more. Because Hollywood Studios, even on days when it's not like crowded, it still feels crowded yeah. because there's no like you go on Rock and Roller Coaster, you go on Tower of Terror, you go on uh, Toy Story Mania, and then. It, 
you're kind of just like bouncing from show to show, but besides that, you're just not really doing anything. You're just walking around. I mean, but I'm going to eat over can there. Can I ask? I, I have to, I have to circle back around to this. I have to ask the question. I wonder in the planning meetings. Did anybody say you can't put alcohol in something you're theming like that? No, they were all drunk. Because look at this: uh, sixteen ounce Angry Orchard hard cider, uh, Blue Let's Moon Belgian White Ale, Bud Light Bud Light Lager. If you drink Bud Light, you're hopeless. Um, grown up lemonade, three olives, black cherry vodka, uh, Ottawa lemonade, and a black cherry puree. That doesn't send um, a bad message to kids at all. You know, yeah. so. It, it, I, I here's the thing. But where, you know what happened when you know if we're going to stay at least let's stay true to theming, right? Yeah, exactly. let's stay true to theming. Yeah, this you know, that was the whole. Hold on, that was the whole argument about bringing alcohol into the Magic Kingdom. That it was in theme. It was in theme with uh, be our guest restaurant because it was France and they should have wine and blah blah blah. Well, guess what? Now it's coming into. Jungle Skipper Canteen and the Plaza and the Golden Horseshoe and Crystal Palace, all these places are starting to get alcohol. I guess it's in theme with with with, with Winnie the Pooh too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's now just and you know and my friend Tobias, uh, I'll have to post it somewhere uh, when that came out over the weekend that they're adding alcohol to these other places in the Magic Kingdom. He went back and found the clip from years ago right when they first announced. They were adding it in the Magic Kingdom, and I said it was a slippery slope, and I was right. And we are now very quickly sliding down that slope at breakneck speed. Um, go ahead, John. Yeah, this actually goes back to what I was mentioning about not having a premiere, like any kind of adult attraction there or full family, not just a children's attraction, is the fact that if you want to get parents to sit in a glorified large playground, you can easily do that with booze. And that's I don't any, know. The Magic Kingdom did it for an awfully long time without it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the, okay. but the, the thing is, no. But the Magic Kingdom has plenty of adult attractions. Okay. But Hollywood and Hollywood Studios already has plenty of bars. I, I'm talking There's, about the land itself, though. I think th- I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with it. Daddy I'm saying that's walk, why they did it. Daddy can walk <laughs> across the street, get his buzz on, and then go in. Does it have to be in something you're theming as a child's lunchbox? That's what I'm saying. I, the, the, my issue is not even that they're serving alcohol in Toy Story Land. I don't care. But somebody took the time and the effort to say, okay, the, this is where we're going to have the dining location. It's going to be like Andy's lunchbox. So we're going to go in, and all the food in here should be kind of kind of play off of that all the stuff that you would find in andy's lunchbox and it's like oh, well andy's got adult apple juice in here like it, that part doesn't but like why not just make another stand oh, no you know what the next you know? land's going to be andy's rehab yeah well, that's yeah <laughs> that's going to be the next land it's what they're turning the one man's dream into <laughs> you kind of go in and come out uh, that way but I, I, I just that's my thing is like why not just have it all like why not just leave it out of that one little spot and just like have a separate cart for it or mm-hmm. a separate stand and you can theme it to that somehow you know I'm not I'm but not you know it it, have to my be point there, my point is they used to pay attention to this stuff yeah they used to pay attention to this this stuff mattered these details mattered now all that matters is how much revenue mm-hmm. are we going to soak out of this well there's well, um. Oh, I, well, I, I almost wonder if it was one of those things where it started off where it wasn't on the menu, and then someone, some executive or someone that was looking for more money said, how come we're not selling alcohol here? It could and be a license kind of like thing that. also. Like, maybe they're required through contracts or something to serve. I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe there is something where they would need to. No. They own, they own everything. 
there's a thing they that, own all the IP. There's no 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 no. I'm talking about for the alcohol. If you have, I mean, it's kind of like with them with not selling Pepsi products, kind of thing. Like that's why we have Speedy Gas Station I doubt on, very on Disney seriously. property now instead of instead of what we had before because they couldn't get rid of selling. Well, first Coke of all, products. Disney. I, mean, Pepsi I, I don't believe Disney has an official sponsor that's an alcohol company. No. Um, and second, I don't believe that Disney would ever put allow that kind of rider in any deal they struck that you have to tell us where we have to serve alcohol they do with coke there's um there's a specific well, coke and coke and vodka are very different things <laughs> yeah i'm just saying they do it with companies there's a specific thing that bob Iger mentioned that i would just like to to reiterate here because it goes directly against what's happening as he had mentioned that one of the things about disney is that um, take, you know, keeping a brand and keeping its core values is important, but you need to innovate and change with the times. You never change your values. All you do is you change the way that you portray them or what are what is offered. So I would absolutely love to know how the idea of theming a lunchbox restaurant and having alcoholic beverages there is keeping the values that Disney has all, always had, but just changing changing the way you convey those values. This is not changing with the times, innovating an entertainment experience. This is directly against the family-friendly atmosphere that Disney portrays. And the thing is, once you know, it's like you mentioned, you can walk, what, 20 feet to hit one of the billion bars in Hollywood Studios. That this is, this is deliberate. We are not the first people to bring up this question. This was talked about, and it was decided, like, blatantly in a meeting, that Profits overtake the values that Disney claims to have. I'm not even talking about the values Disney does have as the Walt Disney Company. I'm saying that the values that Disney claims to have to the entirety of the world and all of their parks through all of their entertainment. I just want to say that someone's eventually going to catch me buying alcohol from Andy's Lunchbox. So I'm going on record right now saying... It's going to happen. So oh, I'm not saying... Just wave at me when I, I do. And let me be, let me, let me be clear. It doesn't bother I'm, me. I'm not saying anybody who buys alcohol from that location is wrong. I'm saying Disney is wrong for even offering it there. That there has to be some measure... I mean, it's a reason we can't buy cigarettes at Disney World. There's a reason Mickey's logo and likeness is not going to appear on certain things because they don't want the brand associated with that. Oh, it looks like that's a slippery slope, too. So how long is it before I can buy a pack of Mickey menthols? How long? This food looks so good, though. I'm sorry. The food does? It it pairs nicely with the adult lemonade. Oh, no. The tachos have got my name all friggin' over it. Well, (laughs) what's (laughs) exciting about that is there's not a lot of great uh, quick service options. Oh, dear God. Potato barrels, corn chips, chili, and cheese topped with sour cream for $8.99. They're calling them tachos. Pete's on a no-carb diet right now, so... He will angrily watch me. Low, low carb. (laughs) Those will be your carbs for the month. But well, by then I'll be in stage two. So grieving. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. We got to wrap this up. I I really would like to spend more time talking about this, but maybe we'll revisit again in another show. But that is going to do it for our show for this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be. We never even did rapid. No, that's what I was going to say. I was like, let's just wrap it up. Do you want to do a quick bust out? No, let's do our rapid fire. We okay. got to do our rapid fires. We got to do our, we make everybody do them. So I, I God almighty, uh, my timing's way off today. No. My timing is way off, but I, okay, sorry about that. But all right, we're going to move on to rapid fire <laughs> and we'll start with you, Sean. 
I didn't do one, but okay. I will. I will say, Once Upon a Time got canceled, and I'm really sad about it. So that's my rapid fire. Sean is the only one. Who's I know. About I am. So I, I know. All right, I know. <laughs> um, uh, there's they're doing another uh, limited release Banshee, um, which is coming to Wind Traders um, for a celebration of the first anniversary of Pandora, and I believe this newer one is themed like the bioluminescent landscape. They they did one to celebrate the 20th anniversary as well that was inspired by the Moss Ball. I don't I don't know. They're they're I kids love them. They look cool on people's shoulders. They look like they have a lot of fun. So if you want to get over there and get it. Go get it. They are really cool. Yeah. There's uh, apparently like 11 different designs and stuff like that. And so um, they haven't started selling this one yet. It just says towards the end of the month, I want to say. So, yeah. Okay. That's all I got to say. Thank you, Rhino. (laughs) Charles. All right. uh, This is actually really cool. Um, Give Kids the World is introducing a behind-the-themes tour series. Um, They're a phenomenal organization. I'm just going to read off just what the press release says since we're kind of strapped for time. Um, uh, the Behind the Themes tour series, where you'll get an exclusive look at the cutting-edge technologies found in Orlando's theme parks and uh, theme parks around the world. Discover your favorite rides are created and built. Explore the artistic and mechanical wizardry behind the most exciting attractions on Earth. Behind the Themes is your chance to see firsthand how theme park magic becomes real. And all ticket sales help give kids, uh, give kids the World Village provide dream vacations for critically ill children and their families. Um, now, tours have been scheduled at Sally Corporation, Bob Space Race, and Skyline Attractions, with more to be added in the coming weeks. Uh, the tours are all $50 and include lunch and an opportunity for a Q&A with the leadership of the companies. So um, they're doing that at... Sounds South- really cool. Yeah, it, it does sound really cool. If you're a attraction or animatronics buff, this is directly up your alley. And once again, um, uh, the proceeds do go to help give kids the world do the amazing work that they do over there. So this is this is something I know everybody on staff here uh, is probably pretty interested about and something that I know that a lot of our listeners will be interested about as well. So. All right. Thank you, Charles. Steve. Uh, so over at the TTC, the ticket or Transportation and Ticket Center, uh, Guest Relations is testing out a temporary location. Uh, it's at Window 3. So there's the different booths, Window 3. Uh, it's strange hours. I actually should not have put my phone away because I didn't ra- remember. It's 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I don't know why they end so soon in the day. but um, So you can get uh, questions about My Disney Experience. You can enroll in the Disability Access Service. Um, basically everything you can do at the normal guest relations window, uh, but you can just do it ahead of time at the TTC uh, if you don't want to take the monorail or the ferry just to find out that you don't have access to something that you thought you were going to have access to. Um, so just another location. All right. Thank you, Steve. Craig. Okay. Uh, this May and June, uh, there's going to be unique, according to Charles who wrote this, he thinks they're unique Walt Disney World annual <laughs> pass holder offerings through June 29th. Uh, by unique, he meant that you get your Donald summer magnet, which I think is cool, except right now there's been a lot of issues with people stealing uh, Disney magnets off people's cars. It's a so. unique one. It's the first Donald summer <laughs> magnet, so it's it's pretty unique. It is. Well, it, no, it is unique. So it'll be unique while it's in your possession until someone rips it off. and. <laughs> Then it'll be their unique magnet. Uh, along with this, uh, you know, Steve loves a good preview of uh, a movie Disgusting. inside the One Man's Dream Theater. So, 
anytime I ever saw a preview in there, I was usually one of about 20 or so, and the theater holds maybe, what, 200? So for some reason, annual pass holders need their own exclusive showings from 9 to 10 a.m., and that's a part of this appreciation month. So that's that's really neato. And then uh, Sean could go get his magic band now, his slinky dog Yay. one. That's That's available for... Annual pass holders, and then your favorite, Pete, you get 20% off of dining at Hollywood and Vine right now. Oh, there well. There you go. <laughs> well, now it's worth it. No. So, <laughs> well, you know what? Look, we can we can roll our eyes and suck our teeth about, about this. However, let's remember the days, and they weren't that long ago, where they didn't give annual pass holders crap. Exactly. And uh, well, that was mostly joking. Everything except the magnet. The magnet, I'm, I actually I'm like the magnet. Excited. I can't wait to go over and get my magnet. <laughs> Everything else I could I could just throw away. I don't need any of that. But uh, it, it is nice because I, I know, you know, they have so much annual pass holder stuff that you have to pay extra for, whether it's at Disneyland being like popcorn buckets or out here being T-shirts, magic bands, whatever. It's nice. It's always nice, even if it is something cheap as a magnet, to just get that little free takeaway from your trip. So <laughs> it's... More of them. I want a goofy one next, hopefully. All right. Thank you, Craig. That will do it for Rapid Fire. That will also do it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Have a great week.